Well, the book of 1 John, chapter 4, beginning with the first verse. 1 John, chapter 4, beginning with the first, word, first verse. And this is John, the beloved disciple uh, of Jesus. He's writing here and he said, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God. So we see right there that he tells us there are going to be a lot of voices, a lot of messages that you're going to hear. But that doesn't mean that every message that you hear is from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world, just as they had done then, as they do today. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is not the spirit of the anti, excuse me, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who's in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to this. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. I want us to look at some of the myths about religion and Christianity that people believe. The differences between Islam and Christianity and the essential beliefs of Christianity. Now there are three words, three terms that are essential for Christianity. There are a lot of other important doctrines, but these are three essential, uh, in my opinion, and, and, and most scholars would agree. The first one is this. It is cr- called Christology or Christ. What we believe about Jesus Christ is essential. We believe that he is God. When we say God, we're talking about the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We're Trinitarian. And that's what our church is. That's what our faith is, Trinitarian. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. When I say God, I'm talking about the three, three in one, okay? So when I say Jesus Christ, I'm talking about God. We believe that Jesus Christ is God. Number two, homardiology, just a big word for sin. We believe that everyone has sin and our sin uh, blocks us from a holy God, okay? It separates us from God. Number three, soteriology or salvation, the necessity of salvation by Jesus Christ to cover our sin. Now, those are three essential doctrines, three essential positions uh, that are uh, prerequisites and are really mandatory to be called a Christian, to know Christ. Now, I want to share with you this morning uh, the most controversial thing that Jesus probably ever said. Today, it still causes division. It still causes people to want to get up and walk out, and some of you might. Uh, But I just want to communicate the words of Christ, and then you have to decide what are you going to do with it. What's not, the, uh, the option we don't have is to say, well, I just want to mark that part out. Because this is a declarative statement. Jesus made seven I am statements, and this is one. This is probably the most important one. Matter of fact, I would say uh, top three verses that you ought to memorize and know this is one. You ought, if you're a Christian, you ought to know this verse. Very simple. You ought to know it. Just period. So if you don't, I want to encourage you to write the reference down, John 14, 6. John 14, 6. If you have a child, you ought to teach them this verse. If you want to raise them in the faith, they need to know this verse. All right? Are you ready for it? John 14, 6. 
Here's what Jesus said. I am the way. By the way, he put, I am. That's, that's the same declaration that God made to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. Jesus will make it again in John chapter 8, verse 58, when he says, before Abraham was, I am. And the Bible says that they picked up stones to kill him. I am. He's making a divine statement here. I am the way. I'm not one of the methods. I'm not one of the paths. I'm the way, the truth. I'm the truth. God, his very existence and essence is truth. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. I'm the purpose that you exist. Now, again, this is a hard verse. This is a hard expression. This is a hard quote from Jesus for many. And if you don't know Christ... Uh, then it makes you rough a little bit. And maybe even some of you that do. Matter of fact, I saw a Pew survey this week that said 47% of Christians uh, believe that there are multiple ways to God. Okay? So that means nearly half of Christians would say, uh, not that one. <laughs> or I want to I take a pass on that. But Jesus didn't give us that option. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but through me. So with that understanding, let's talk about a couple, of, uh, a couple of myths that people believe. One would be, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. It doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Now think about that for a moment. Is that all it takes is sincerity? What about ISIS? Would we go, well, <laughs> they're sincere. <laughs> all works. They're pretty sincere, aren't they? Uh, in Turkey, the 12-year-old boy that, that killed himself in a suicide bombing... That's some big sincerity. Would we go, well, it doesn't matter. He believed it. So it works for him and it works for, you know, that's what he really believed. As long as he was serious, we don't believe that. And if you do believe that, I'd love to ask you a couple questions and see if you would still be, still go along with that. I mean, we can go a lot of places. 9-11 happened because there were some guys that were real sincere about what they believed. So sincerity is not the recipe for truth. A lot of people are sincerely wrong, Okay. Number two, um, all religions are basically the same. They're all basically the same. They all believe basically the same. Well, that's not true either. Um, Buddhism believes that there is no God. In Christianity, we certainly believe there's a God. Islam certainly believes there's a God. Judaism, but Buddhism would say there is no God. So you can't say that's the same. They believe that there's a path. There's an eightfold path to enlightenment. And, and the objective is get to nothingness. Hinduism um, there are hundreds of gods, and, but they're not personal, and really they're the same as the universe. It's a, it's a force within the universe. Well, that's very different from what we believe as Christians, just about what we talked about. So you can't say that all religions are basically the same. Monica talked about some of the differences between Islam and Christianity, and there's some big differences that we're going to look at in just a moment. So all the religions are, are not basically the same. We're all worshiping the same God. Now, this is one I, I hear fairly often. Bertrand Russell, who was a famous agnostic and uh, author and writer, uh, during World War II, he lived in Great Britain, and he was writing a lot of uh, pacifist uh, literature and a lot of anti-war literature uh, during, during the war, before the war and as the war was starting. And so uh, he was arrested. And when he was brought to prison, the warden was getting his information, ask him his name, ask him his age, ask him 
uh, about his background. And then he asked him, what religion? He said, agnostic. He goes, can you spell that? So he spelled it for him. He goes, uh, agnostic. And he wrote it down. He goes, well, uh, I guess there's a lot of religions. And the truth be told, we're all worshiping the same God. Well, an agnostic believes that there's probably not a God, and even if there was, there's no way that you can know him. There's no way we can know truth. There's no way we could ever know God. If he, if he does, in fact, exist, you can't know him anyway. So that's, that's kind of a crazy statement to make that it would all be the same. Matter of fact, if you want to go a step further, what do you do? Satanists, which is a, a, you know, a verified religion in the United States and around the world, who believe that Satan is God and that Christ is not, and then basically the opposite of everything that Christ teaches. So would we really say that we're worshiping the same God? Would we say Satan is the same as God? That's not logical. It's illogical. Then there are myths about Christianity that sometimes people believe. Myths like, well, we'll go to heaven if we're good people. All good people go to be with Jesus one day. That's not what the gospel says. The gospel says we're all sinners and that the only way, Jesus said, is through him. So it's not our merit. It's not our Matter of fact, most religions believe that, that you'll be good, you'll make it. But the Bible teaches the opposite. Jesus teaches the opposite. He basically says that you've all sinned and that you can't get to God. It's only through Christ and what he's done for you. And it's an act and a gift of grace that you are saved through faith, not of yourselves, not of your efforts. Uh, number two, um, the ultimate goal of, of earth or our life is just to get to heaven and never see this earth again. Well, we don't believe that either. Our, our ultimate goal is to bring, bring glory to God. And we, our goal is not just to get to heaven, okay? We believe that God is going to create a new earth, and he's going to, a new heavens and a new earth, and that we are going to be a part of that. And so we're not just trying to escape. We're trying to glorify God and to share the grace of Christ with everyone that we can. So our purpose isn't just to die and get to heaven. And then number three, um, sometimes people say this, and hear me correctly when I say this. Um, some people would say, everything about other religions is wrong. Sometimes we say that or we insinuate everything else is wrong. Uh, but it's not a matter of everything being wrong. It's about the essentials being wrong. There are a lot of things about Judaism that closely resemble our faith. We wouldn't say Judaism is all wrong, would we? C.S. Lewis said it this way, and I think he, he says it best. He said, in regards to Christianity and other religions, it is as arithmetic. There's only one right answer to the question and all other answers are wrong. But some have wrong answers are more closely right to the truth than others. So we can, like Monica said, we can affirm some facts about uh, the moral life that maybe some Muslims live. And we can affirm some things of people of other religions, of how they live and their dedication and their commitment. And maybe even some that have a belief in God. But when it comes down to it, the difference is Jesus Christ, him crucified and we are saved by grace through faith. Now, let's take just a moment and let's look at the differences between Islam and Christianity. Because a lot of times people will say, we worship the same God. Matter of fact, a lot of Muslims would probably say, we worship the same God. But let's, in fact, see if that is true. Uh, beginning right here with Christianity. Je Jesus, as we 
read a while ago, claims to be the only way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus also claims to be God. We'll see here in just a moment. But if you come over to uh, Islam, Isa is what Jesus called, was only a prophet, not the son of God, and believing in any other deity but Allah condemns you to hell. So that would be a stark contrast, what we believe about Jesus as opposed to what Islam believes about Jesus. Number two, Jesus died for our sins, was crucified and buried, and was resurrected. In Islam, uh, we believe the resurrection is central, a hallmark aspect of our faith. Because Jesus conquered sin and death and he rose, he showed his deity. It was a necessity. But Islam would say Jesus didn't die for our sins and he was not crucified Matter of fact, he never died. There was no resurrection. Matter of fact, it was probably Judas that was placed upon the cross. Another difference. We are God's children and, and often refer to him as our father. Um, 30, uh, over, excuse me, over 100 times Jesus addresses God as his father. And over 30 times he talks about God being our father. But in Islam, we are simply a part of the creation. We are creatures and we have no relationship other than we were created by Allah. Christianity, the Trinity, God in three persons, as we talked about, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But in Islam, they not only would reject Jesus, but also the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit is simply a creature like an angel. Christianity, Christians are saved by faith through grace alone. But for Muslims, they must earn it. And they do this through several ways, but the primary would be through following the five pillars, declare openly their faith in Allah and his prophet Muhammad, participate in daily prayers five times each day facing toward Mecca, donate a percentage of income to charity, fast during Ramadan, and participate in a pilgrimage to Mecca. Well, that is a huge difference. You have to earn it, and then you hope that you've done enough. Those are significant differences that we must consider. You know, what's amazing to me is what's happening in our world today. Deepak Chopra came and did a, a conference in New York this year, and he's kind of a neo-Hinduist, and uh, he's kind of developed his own brand of Hinduism. And many people are starting to flock. There are a lot of movie stars, a lot of famous people were going. And it was interesting that we had Americans going there at the same time in Nepal, one of the epicenters of Hinduism. It is the fastest growing Christian population in the world today. More people are coming to Christ percentage-wise in Nepal, a Hindu nation, than any, other, than any other nation in the world. You know what number two is? China. You know what the largest religion in China is? Buddhism. And China is growing like gangbusters. People coming to Christ in the closed country. Nepal, Hindu, number two is China. You know what number three and four are? Uh, United Arab Emirates. Matter of fact, we have one of our one of our guys that's here today who just moved back from there. Uh, Abidubai, what is Abidubai? What is it, Kevin? Abidab. There you go. Uh, just moved there, moved from there. And I asked him. I said, "What was that like, Kevin?" I said, "Tell me about Christianity." He said, "You know what? When Christianity is pressured and oppressed, it grows. There are more people coming to Christ uh, in the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia." percentage-wise, number three and four in the world, Islam. What did we do? What, what, isn't it interesting? You think God knows what he's doing? Number one country, Nepal, Hindu. Number two fastest growing country, 
China, Buddhism. Number three and four, Islam. It's amazing. You stop and think about it. Yet we get so bright over here. We check these things out like they've never been heard of. And what we're seeing in these countries is that in, in Saudi Arabia, it's estimated at 50 to 60,000, where oppression is on an all-time high. Matter of fact, their, their supreme uh, religious leader has said, destroy churches if you find them. And literally, he's made that statement. And we see Christianity growing. Grow. As a matter of fact, over a million Arabs, uh, it is believed that over a million Arabs have now come to Christ between those two countries alone. And if you go back uh, 50 years, it, they would have been less than 1,000 combined. Amazing what God's doing and what the Spirit is doing. Now, when you stop and think about that, there must be something about Christianity. There must be something about Christ. So you might ask myself, why yourself? Why should you believe in Jesus's claims to be the Son of God? Now there are many reasons, but I want to give you three this morning. The first one is this: the astronomical sign in Matthew two. If you go back and read it about the wise men, how the wise men came and they found Christ because of the star. Now for a long time it was believed that that's just ridiculous. There is no star. Stars don't move. How could that have ever happened? Uh, but now, Michael Molnar, who's an astronomer, matter of fact, this was in the Washington Post not long ago, who's an astronomer, said, you know what, we've now found out that there was a planet. We believe it was Jupiter. We're not certain what planet it was. We can't be certain. But if we go back to the time of Jesus' birth, it was appearing every morning before the sun would rise. And it would literally, on Earth, it would appear like it was moving. And he said, this happened for months during the time span that most scholars believe Christ was born, somewhere around 3 to 6 B.C. He said it was happening for months. He said, so it's possible uh, that those wise men every, every morning could have, could have you know, gotten up early every morning, and just before the sun would come up, they would see what looked like a star. It was actually a planet. It was literally moving. Is that not amazing when you stop and think of it? For, for years, uh, really, for centuries, uh, astronomers and scientists said that wouldn't be possible. We now know that during the time of Christ's birth, that's exactly what happened. Nobody else, by the way, got an astronomical sign. Number two, prophecies fulfilled. Now, we could do, there are over 700 prophecies that have been filled by Christ from the Old Testament, but I just want to look at the geographical prophecies for just a second. The first one, in Micah 5.2, the Bible tells us, it prophesied, that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. And there were two Bethlehems in the greater Mideastern area at that time. And it was specified Bethlehem Ephratah. This is hundreds of years before Christ would come. Micah prophesied it, okay? They'd born in Bethlehem. Now, that's not enough. Where, where did Jesus go from Bethlehem? Egypt. Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, tells us that out of Egypt, my son will be called. So, number one, Bethlehem. Number two, they went to Egypt. And then was the third place he ends up. Nazareth. If you go to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, you won't see the words Nazareth because that's not what it's called there, but you'll look at those two ge- geographical locations. It's talking about the Nazareth area. Think about that. Uh, some of those prophecies were 500, some of those were 700 years. The Isaiah prophecy was 700 years before Christ. To geographically say, one day the Messiah is going to be born here, then he's going to move here, then he's going to go there. Think that's a coincidence? I think not. Lots of other prophecies we could look at, but finally, Jesus is worshipped. Jesus received worship, certainly, by the wise men in Matthew chapter 2. 
In 28.9, we see that Jesus is worshipped. In 9.35, we see after Jesus healed the blind man, Jesus allows him to be worshipped. We see the women worship him in John 20, uh, verse 28. Thomas calls him, my Lord and my God. We see that he's worshipped. And that's highly scandalous because for the Jew, the one thing you would never do is worship a human. Two big, big laws that they would have lived by, two big statements. First of all, the Shema. Hear, O hear, Israel, the Lord God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Hear, O hear, Israel, the Lord God is one, just one monotheistic God. Now, we believe, that, we believe in monotheism. We just believe that God is formed in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But this would have been scandalous for any Jew to ascribe to. And then secondly, uh, you shall have no other gods before me, Okay. You shall worship no other gods. And so when we're talking about Christ, that would have been so difficult for a Jew. But yet we see all of these disciples converting and we see them dying a martyr's death, all but John, who uh, we've been quoting here. So we see that uh, the astronomical sign, we see the prophecies fulfilled, we see that Jesus was worshipped. Now that brings us to this point. What are the essentials of the gospel? What is, necess- what is necessary for us to know, know Christ? What is the basic? Matter of fact, uh, what, is, what are the only requirements that are mandatory for us to believe and ascribe to? Now, there, again, there are a ton of other important doctrines. But I'm talking about someone who doesn't know anything about the Bible and, and to come to Christ. What are the three concepts they have to understand? We started with this, and I want to finish with this. The first one is the deity of Christ. That Jesus, in fact, was not just a man, but he was God in the flesh. If you go back and look at John chapter 1, John speaking here again, we see, and the Word was God. The Word, Jesus described as the Word, was God, and the Word was with God. And through him all things were made. He's eternal, okay? So we first see the deity of Christ, essential. We've got to come to that place first where we recognize Christ as God with the power to save. Number two, as a matter of fact, um, the sin, sin, death, burial, and resurrection. We must recognize we're sinners. We must believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I've shared this with you before, verse 3 and 4. As a matter of fact, this whole passage was a creed that was recited. And uh, from some of our extra-biblical documents, it appears that this, this was being used as early as 100 A.D., okay? As early as sometime about 40 to 50 years, 60 years, after, 40 to 50 years after the time of Christ, they were reciting this. And so we know this is an old statement. For I delivered to you, this is Paul speaking here, for our, as he's writing Corinthians. He said, for I delivered to you of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins... In accordance with the scriptures, the prophecies, um, that he was buried. By the way, the scriptures he's referring to are the Old Testament scriptures. The Bible's not been written yet, okay? He's talking about the prophecies. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So we see the importance of the death, burial, and resurrection. And then thirdly, we see this, salvation by grace through Christ. Salvation by grace through Christ. Ephesians 2.8 tells us we are saved by grace through faith. It's not of our efforts. The other religions we looked at, they all, have to, uh, they all have, to, have to adhere to a set of rules and hopefully earn their way, but that's the difference with Christianity. We believe there's nothing we could do to ever earn or deserve 
our salvation, but it is a gift that God offers for all who would put their faith and trust in what Jesus Christ has done, that he covers our sins and that he forgives us and we are made clean before God Almighty and we are accepted as his children and he is our father. That's an amazing truth and an amazing gift. So when we hear those questions, all religions are the same. We're all just trying to get to the same place in different ways, different methods. You can see here today that there is a difference in Christianity. And what you must decide is Jesus telling the truth. We see from an astronomical sign. We see from prophecies. We see that he was worshipped. We see from his miracles uh, that authenticate he said who he was. Now we must make the decision. Was he a liar or will he be your Lord? As C.S. Lewis said, He's either a liar, or he's a crazy lunatic, or he's Lord. Let us not say that he was a good man or a good teacher or a good prophet. That option has not been made available to us. The statements that he made, and then the countless thousands upon thousands of people who've died because of their faith in Christ, we wouldn't say that's a good man if he misled. We don't say that about Jim Jones. We don't say that about David Koresh. And we certainly don't say that about anybody else. So if Jesus was who he said he was, then we must fall down and worship. If not, reject him entirely. That is our option. What are you doing? What decision will you make? I remember when I was in Little League, I couldn't hit the ball far enough to hit it over the fence, but I wanted to hit a home runs. But I was really fast. And so I, I learned in practice that if I could hit the ball outfield, what I started realizing is that if I skip bases, I could make it a lot of times. So uh, I got to where I just usually didn't hit first base. I'd look, if none of the coaches were looking, I would just skip it. Sometimes one of the boys would say, you missed it, I'd just ignore them. Sometimes I'd skip second. I, there's one time I skipped them all three and just hit home, okay? And I remember my coach saying one time, hey, you know, that doesn't count if you do that. And I go, oh, yeah. But my thought was, hey, if you don't see it, it doesn't matter. If I get away with it, and if this works, and I hit home plate, I score. That's a home run. So there's the game. Not too long after that, I hit a ball. I hit it all the way fence. I literally hit the fence. It was the furthest I'd ever hit the ball. And, you know, a little kid standing out there in uh, right center field just kind of watched it. I guess he thought it was over. And so I realized as it hit the fence, I was almost a first. I just took off to second. Saved myself about 10 feet. Just took off to second. I don't even remember if I hit third. I think I may have touched third. Got home right before the ball there. Celebrate my home run. I'm so excited. My friends are all congratulating me. And you know what happened? The umpire noticed that I did not touch first base. He goes, you're out, no run, innings over. I was mad. I didn't think that was fair just because I didn't touch first base. That was a crazy rule. Who came up with that anyway? You know, I get there a lot faster. I'm not going to hit a home run if I have to go touch all those bases. <laughs> hey, that's the way a lot of people look at Christianity. The deity of Christ, is that really? Not? Let me tell you, that's first base. What you believe about Jesus The death, burial, and resurrection, that's second base. Number three, that salvation is grace. Hey, and we can't earn it. We have to receive the gift of salvation. You can't skip first base. You can't skip second. You can't skip any of the bases in order to make it to God, okay? So Jesus said, I'm the way, truth, and life. No man comes to the Father through me. What will you do with that statement today? Let's pray. Father, I know this is a hard message for many people. And uh, if we're not believers in Christ, it's offensive.
It sounds dogmatic and close-minded. But Lord, it's what you said very clearly. You said that you were the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but through you. And so Lord, today I confess you as the God of the universe. I confess that through your death, burial, and resurrection, you, uh, Lord, covered our sin. And that we're saved by grace through faith. It's not of our deeds. It's not of our efforts. It's not how good we're going to be. But it's what, how good you are. And so, Lord, we accept your goodness, your grace, your forgiveness. And ask you to apply to our account as we realize that we're sinners and that we cannot earn our way, nor do we deserve it. Lord, if there are those who don't know you today, I pray that you would draw them. Today would be the day where they say, God, I, I believe. I have doubts, I have questions, I have concerns, but, Lord, I, I feel the presence of your spirit as you speak through the power of your word. God, I, I know. And so, Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my doubts. And, Lord, I put my faith in what you've done, Christ. I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. And I believe you have the power to save me not through my own efforts, but as an act of grace. Lord, I receive it today. Forgive me and become my Lord and Savior. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.